I don't think that they should be anointed favorites. They definitely shouldn't be anointed favorites over the Dodgers. I think you can make the argument over the Mets. You can make the argument over the Braves. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. This is episode number 62. My name is Jet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It is the Jose Quintana episode. It's very fitting. We just came across since it's episode 62. When he was on the Pirates, he wore 62 and... The main thing we'll be discussing today is the trade deadline, and he is one of the players that got traded in this past trade deadline, and which maybe next week we'll give him the title also because he's going to now be 63 for the St. Louis Cardinals since a few days ago, I believe. I think it was like maybe Sunday or Monday when he got traded. But Jose Quintana, so far this regular season, he has pitched in 20 games, has a 3.5 ERA, 89 strikeouts, and a 1.27 whip. Career-wise, so far, he has pitched in 303 games, has a win-loss record of 86-85, to 85, has a 3.81 no, ERA, has almost, he should hit this this season, 1,500 strikeouts. He's right now at... Uh, 1,484, so he's bound to hit the 1,500 mark. And he has, so far in his career, a 1.28 whip. Jet, go a little bit into his personal life if you found anything. Yeah, yeah before I get to that, I mean, Jose Quintana, he's, he's just the type of pitcher that throughout his career has been pretty much dependable. Um, You can count on him to make 25-plus starts in a season. He's done that. Uh, in, in at least six or seven seasons in, in his 11 year career. And yeah, he's made one all-star appearance. He's been, he's been with many different teams. I believe he's going to be going on to his sixth different team with the St. Louis Cardinals to kind of help uh, help bolster that rotation. Not, not a guy that's going to overpower you. He did more so early on in his career, but a, a good arm to have, especially for a team pushing for the playoffs. But as far as his uh, personal life goes, Full name, Jose Guillermo Quintana, born January 24th in 1989, um, born in Colombia. He has a wife, uh, Michelle, and they also have a daughter. Obviously, I told you that this was his sixth different team that he's played on. Um, you know, I would continue to go more into his personal life, but Wikipedia only gives you so much on a guy that isn't, isn't as, you know, widely known as, as some of the other guys we've done in the year, in the years past, but he was obviously being that he's from Columbia, he wasn't a part of the, the, uh, regular draft. He was signed as an international free agent with the New York Mets. He began with the Mets in 2006. He ended up getting suspended, um, for doing drugs. He signed the Yankees in 2008. He oh, pitched wow. in the Yankees minor league system all the way through 2009, through 2010. He got released. And then he, his career kind of started to take off once he joined the white Sox and made his major league debut in 2012 through 2016. That's where that final year he got an all-star appearance. And then he ended up getting traded to the Cubs to help with their playoff push. 
starting in 2017. Um, then he's been on four different teams since then. And like I said before, going to try and bolster the back end of that Cardinals rotation. Absolutely. And looking at his, um, at the seasonal stats, I would say that his best year was in 2016, uh, with the White Sox, where he had his lowest ERA of a 3.2 ERA. He started in 32 games. So, I mean, he definitely, he, he was a innings eater. And, I mean, how many innings did he pitch? He pitched uh, 208 innings, in which then he also had, I believe, a, a 181 strikeouts, and opponents only averaged two, a 248 batting average against him. So he, he is, um, he'll be very helpful to St. Louis, I think. He'll definitely eat up innings for this last two months of baseball and also help them possibly get into the playoffs. I don't, would you think that he would be on a playoff, the playoff roster, or do you think he's mainly there just to eat innings and to save, um, save I, I some think, innings I, off of the other guys? I, I think it depends on what, like the status of someone like Jack Flaherty is going to be come playoff time. Cause he's been dealing with injuries all season. Cause it looks like they're, they're top two, uh, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, then after that, it gets pretty inter- interesting. So I, I, I could see um, Quintana being a part of the playoff roster. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals are, you know, are able to make somewhat of a run in the playoffs. I think he'll be, he'll be a big part towards the back end of that rotation. Because you, you really only need three guys, yeah. um, I feel like, in the playoffs and then relying on the bullpen. Which for their bullpen, I, they didn't make many additions. They, they have some good names, but... I, I'll see. I could see Quintana part of the playoff roster for sure. As in, a, like a back of the bullpen, if starter go, if they want to piggyback him off of, yeah, Clarity or uh, Wayne Wainwright. I yeah, I think he's he's maybe too late in his career to really count on giving you like you know six seven solid innings if you want to bring him in after. I mean, they, like they have some questions. They have some young names as far as other guys in the rotation that maybe they'll, you know, start off with them and then they'll you know, rely on the veteran the, the, the rest of the way. But it's good to bring someone like him in with, with all the experience that he has. And, you know, it's just more, more innings that you're able to get out of more dependable options. Yeah. So moving on a little bit more in first half of this, probably three quarters of this episode will be mainly on, on baseball, but to start off with some sad news, the legendary broadcaster and voice of the Dodgers for 67 years, Vince Scully, has pa- passed away last night at the age of 94 years old. The Dodgers announced Scully's death on Twitter late Tuesday night. So uh, just a little, some of the, in his career, Vince Scully has called 25 World Series 12 All-Star games, three perfect games, and 18 no-hitters. That's uh, I, what what do you think is crazy out of uh, I out of these three options, which is more insane, calling 25 World Series, calling three perfect games or calling 18 no-hitters? 
the 18 no hitters is pretty crazy. Really? I, mean, I know that the, the perfect game, yeah, like that, that's that's insane to even get one. But 18 no hitters, when that's not something that, you know, I get the same thing with the perfect game, but no hitter doesn't happen that often to be a part of that many games. Um, World Series is obviously one thing, but when you have, you know, such rare feats such as a no hitter or a perfect game, um, for him to be a part of that, and I'm, you know, I'm sure all those calls were great because he's one of the best, if not the best, to broadcast not only baseball but just sports in general. Yeah, uh, it's it is insane of like what, and he, and if anyone doesn't know Vince Scully, Vince Scully retired back in 2016 with uh, as the voice of the Dodgers, and here's a here's a few other of his. Uh, accomplishments. He won the Ford C. Frick Award in 1982, the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award in 2016, the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016, Hollywood Walk of Fame star, three-time National Sportscaster of the Year, National Radio Hall of Fame, NAB Broadcasting Hall of Fame, and American Sportscaster Association top sportscaster of all time in 2009. That's a lot of all-time yeah. lists right there. Yeah, that I mean, it's it, it makes sense just because you know he's as good as it gets. And and a couple of things I just want to point out, like you mentioned, 67 seasons ca- calling games, like that's a lifetime that, for many people. Yes. And for him to be able to do be doing it for that long. I'm obviously retired at the age of 88. So he, yeah, it, it, it's remarkable considering he started off his career before the Dodgers were even in Los Angeles. They were still in Brooklyn when he began calling games in 1950 and, and was with the team ever since. And, you know, when you're, when you're watching a game, the broadcasters, the broadcasters matter. They, they have an effect because, yeah. you know, you're watching the game and, you know, you're seeing what's happening, but the the voice that's kind of narrating what's going on, you know, it changes the impact that it has on you once you're watching. Because someone, a broadcaster that really isn't resonating with the viewers, considering baseball is the game it is, and it's hard for many people to watch, the, the personality that I think Vince Scully was able to add is the difference between what sets him apart from, from other broadcasters. So, obviously, really important for the game of baseball, important for the Dodgers, lived a great life um, and accomplished a lot more, more than people can say they accomplished. You read off all those accolades and all those all time lists. So um, he'll definitely be missed, but he, you know, he was, he was one of the best. Absolutely. I mean, he called, (laughs) he called Dodgers games for just under seven decades. (laughs) Seven. That's, that's seven that's almost seven MLB careers right there. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, even shorter than that. MLB careers are probably shorter than 10 years, but like a good MLB player, an all-star level player, possibly 10 years is a good career. And he only, he had pretty much seven of those. He, he saw seven gen. He said he saw roughly probably seven to 10 generations of baseball players come through while calling. That's it's just it's crazy to think about. It really is. It really is. It's insane. But we'll continue on. Um, R.I.P. to Vince Scully. We'll miss him dearly. Um, but 
We have to talk about the big news, the other big news in the MLB. The really exciting news is that the trade deadline has come and went, and a lot of players, big-name players, have been traded from team to team, from uh, sell, from sellers to buyers, from non-competitive teams, bottom of the barrels to cream of the crop, and which I, wa- I don't want to... For this, I just want to go quickly in order of like from first move to the the hunt, the big honcho move and the yep. last moves that were being made. We're going to kick it all the way back to when the Mariners acquired Carlos Correa from the Royals. Jet, what grade is this? Like, I know this is such a big pickup right here. Let's say that again. What was the move? The Mariners acquired Carlos Santana. Sorry, not Carlos Correa. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, that would have been. I, I thought I thought I missed something, <laughs> but I don't know how that would have happened to begin with. But uh, yeah, it's you know it, it's the type of move that it's in the end it's not going to have a huge impact on the team, but adding a, a bat, especially a bat that can hit from both sides of the plate with power. I mean, you're getting from a team that you know didn't even have use for him. They they brought up the Royals to young prospects and. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino and Nick Prado, and now Carlos Santana is, is pretty much playing a DH first base role with the Mariners. Like I said, brings brings power, but it wasn't nearly the beginning of what the, the Mariners no. had planned. No, not at all. I mean, they made a really big move. And with all these, Jay, I'm going to ask you whether or not you think they're going to start in a playoff game because these are what all the moves are about. Right. Whether or not these players are going to contribute to playoffs, and some are bench pieces, like small minor moves, and some are like starters. Do you think Carlos Santana's going to start if the Mariners get in the playoffs? Absolutely. I think that they they made this move. They they have some injuries, like Dylan Moore. Todd France has been day to day, but it's, even though it's not a big move, this is the type of player that's going to be your DH slash first baseman. No, no matter where, where they put him, there just aren't many other options that they can use. All right, going on. Mets got Daniel Vogel back from the Pirates. Jed, is, is he going to start in the playoffs for the Mets? I think he'll start, but only against righties. I, don't, I okay. think what they, did, what they did is they also ended up acquiring um, Darren Ruff from mm-hmm. the San Francisco yes. Giants. So I think they're going to do somewhat of a, a platoon there at the DH. Makes sense. Um, obviously, neither of those players are game changers, but it's just another bat to add to your lineup, another power bat that I think the Mets could have definitely used. So I, I think we'll see Daniel Volga back plenty in a short Mets playoff run. All right, and the Yankees next. This was, like I think, the first big move for the market is that the Yankees yeah. acquired all-star Andrew Benintende from the Royals. I love the move. They didn't give up, like, really any major prospects and throughout the Yankees time uh, well throughout all the Yankees moves which we'll get to later the Yankees were able to keep their top four arguable prospects which is which is great but there were I mean I think they could have parted ways with maybe one of them to get uh, yeah. another pitching piece but anyways <laughs> I mean I obviously they made this move because Andrew Benintende will be the starting left fielder for the Yankees come playoff times. And I think he's a great middle of the lineup at bat because he's a contact hitter. He's struggled a little bit, honestly, since uh, coming to the Yankees. But sometimes players do struggle with that transition from going from a team like the Royals, who were 
not even close to competing to a team to the team that has the best record in the AL at the moment. Absolutely, we'll we'll talk about that other move probably shortly surrounding the Yankees. But I love the Andrew Benintendi pickup. We we both talked about how we knew it was a perfect fit for the Yankees to go out and get him, and it didn't didn't take much to get him. Um, just having having an extra lefty bat in a lineup that. For the Yankees, they're going to be playing a lot of games in in their home park come playoff time, especially with them going to be a one or two seed most likely. So, love love the pickup there. Uh, the next big one is the Mariners acquired Luis Castillo from the Reds, and they had to pay a hefty price. Jet, if once uh, would I mean obviously this is their number one in the rotation come hopeful playoff time in which they he is faced he's facing off against the Yankees uh today when we record on a Wednesday in an afternoon game against Garrett Cole that would be that could easily possibly be a a playoff matchup come see October but Jet what do you think about what the Mariners had to give up for Luis Castillo and how much Castillo will actually help the Mariners possibly get in the playoffs yeah, I, I think it's a great move for the Seattle Mariners for a team that obviously wants to end their big playoff drought since 2001, having been making the playoffs. It's clear they they wanted they want they wanted this year. And it, the only tough part about it is you're potentially you're playing just for a, a wild card series. Yeah. Like it, it's going to be very tough to make it any farther than that, in my opinion. And yeah, you parted with the the cream of the crop as far as their prospects go, but those prospects may not turn out to something, even though they very well could. Um, obviously, only time will tell what happens, but you're trading for an arm that um, you'll have not only the rest of this year, but next uh, next year as well. He doesn't become a free agent until 2024. So they, they, have to be, they have the ability to use him for a couple potential playoff runs down the road, and then you know he'll, he'll be at his age 31 season, I think, at that point. So... At that point, maybe, you know, you try and trade him and get recoup some of those prospects. But I, I love the move. I love what the Mariners are doing. And this is going to definitely uh, stabilize the rotation for sure. The next big move after that. Well, before we move on, I actually want to talk about the Mariners. I mean, obviously, Luis is their one. Who would you have as their two? Would you have Gilbert? Because, I mean, last night the Yankees put six runs up on Gilbert, would you put Robbie Ray as the number two? I mean, that's a it has big. To be Robbie Ray. You you it, think it has to be. you think Robbie Ray? Yeah, I know. I know he hasn't been as good as he was in that in that Cy Young um, victory last year, but like he has he has all the stuff necessary to compete in the playoffs, and he, he is more experienced, maybe not in big games. Uh, some of the other pitchers that are going to be in the postseason, but he has more experience than someone who's a little bit younger in, in Gilbert. So I would I would turn to Robbie Ray. I, I think between Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo, these are both guys that have had very little success, if any, I think, with Luis Castillo as far as making it into the playoffs mm-hmm. and being in those types of games. But I think you go with the hot hand this year, and obviously you go with Luis Castillo. But I think with – you can't forget what Robbie Ray did a year ago, and – and obviously he's been a little off and on over the course of his career, but I think you go with him as your number two. All right. Next big move was that the Rays added an outfield bat from the Diamondbacks with David Peralta. 
Jet, uh, this is obviously uh, a a playoff starter if the Rays are able to get in the playoffs. How much do you think this improves a, the Rays team now? It's, a, it's interesting. I think if this was any other team, I think this really has no impact because David Peralta, he's he's not the same player that he was early on in his career. Obviously, that's what happens when you when you get older, and you know he's in his age thirty four season now. With the Diamondbacks, he was hitting two forty eight, twelve home runs, forty one RBI. So it's a nice. It, it seems like it's going to be a very dependable option. He hasn't had too many issues with injuries over the course of his career. I think what the Rays are going to be able to do is they're going to maximize the potential out of him, and he's going to be a nice addition to a team that's been suffering from a lot of injuries. Another left-handed bat to add. I don't think this is the type of move that solidifies them, you know, as a clear playoff team because they still have some work to do in order to to make sure they get into the playoffs, but. It's a it's a it's a nice fringe move that can add some value to their lineup. All right, uh, going back to my Yankees, they added a bullpen in a deal with the Cubs. It's not David Robinson who I did want. It is a right-handed reliever named Scott Efros for from the Cubs, and it's an exchange for a minor league right-hander Hayden Wisnecki. And the thing about F Scott F. F. Ross, sorry, is that he has a really good season. He has a sub-2 ERA at the moment. Um, he's been very good with the Cubs. A lot of Cubs fans loved him. And he has five more years of control left. He is not going to be a free agent until 2028. So, I mean, this one is a – this helps in the now because he's been very good. But this, for Yankees fans, this could easily, easily be – a uh, part of the bullpen for the for the next half decade. Absolutely, and it, it's not the type of move that you, you know you're burning a, a good prospect for because this is a guy that you know it, it took him six years to just get into the big leagues. He's already 28 years old, and you know when you're a bullpen arm, you could be a little bit older. As, and if the Yankees are going to have him for the next four or five years and be able to pay him very very little, and he can continue this production, um, it's the type of move that's not going to get a lot of buzz, but it's it's the type of move that could be the difference in in, in you know having a better bullpen and potentially winning a World Series. So I, I like the move. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Astros added Trey Mancini from the Orioles. Jet, uh, were you surprised when this trade went down uh, that the Orioles moved on from Trey Mancini? Because, I, I mean, I, they obviously I, had yeah. something brewing there and was playing 500 ball, and they're still compete. they can still compete for a wild card. I don't think they were going to go far in the playoffs, but were you surprised they moved off of a fan favorite first baseman and outfielder? I am. Um, I, I really, I don't get it. Um, I don't like yeah, Trey Mancini as an Astro. Like I, I just, I don't think he's going to enjoy it either. No, it, this is, this is similar to like what we talked about. I think about Ian Happ, how like I only see him as a Cub and he's remaining a Cub, Yeah. but obviously Trey Mancini, different story. Um, you know, what he means to Baltimore, what he's been through in Baltimore. Exactly. Um, I think the only reason that they were ever going to trade Trey Mancini is if they got the package that they were looking for, and it and it looks like they did. I in the end, it is a business, and the Orioles, while they are in the thick of things as far as trying to compete for a wild card spot this year, obviously they weren't going to go be, go and be heavy buyers. But um, yeah, it's it's just going to be very weird. I think 
you need you need some veteran presence in the middle of your lineup, and they don't have that anymore. No. And it's going to be very hard for all these young players that are going to be being called up in in the coming years to be able to turn to someone that's been through what they're about to go through. And you also trade another veteran in Jorge Lopez as well. So I get it from a business perspective, but as far as you know, getting this team to the next level, I think it could potentially hurt them. Um, how much does this improve the Astros? It doesn't it, like it's another it's just another bat to have in, in, in your lineup. Um, it, it's mainly I feel like because Yuli Gur- Guriel has not been the same player. And it also I mean, he's what is he 34, 35 years older? And this is a guy that came into the league very old and is already very old. So I think it's the type of thing if Yuli Guriel continues to struggle, Trey Mancini can um, add some additional production. Obviously, we know that. Jordan Alvarez most likely will be occupying that DH spot, so it's not like he can be put into that put into that position. But another bat to have, um, I don't think it'll have too much of an impact in the end, though. The next big move is the Padres, and they made much a much bigger move, but we're going to wait for that because this is a big move in itself. Josh Hader is going to the Padres and leaving – the Brewers, San Diego, San, uh, sending Taylor Rogers, uh, left-handed pitching prospect, and Robert Gasser, and a bunch of other prospects in addition there. Um, what does this mean for the Brewers now? I mean, obviously they have Devin Williams who can close and is fantastic, but you had jo- – and, and Josh Hader had a rough stretch, but I don't know if that is cause for you to trade them in – in league in the NL to the Padres who you, if you make the playoffs, you very well could see the Padres in the playoffs. And now you don't have that eight, that solidified eight, nine inning right there. That is like lock, lock down. So what does this mean for the Brewers and how much does this just increase the Padres bullpen and chance in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, first for the Brewers, it, it really doesn't make much sense. I mean, Josh Hader, it's not like he was going to be a free agent after this year. He's not a free agent in 2024. And it's not like the Brewers aren't out of the playoff race. They're currently first in their division. Yeah. And I, I think this kind of points to the fact that the Brewers don't believe they have a chance this year. By them by them trading their – yeah, but like the thing is, yeah, they still have Devin Williams. But when you have, when you have a back of a bullpen that has Devin Williams and Josh Hader – Along with that starting rotation, that's, I mean, that's six outs. Yeah, it, and it, it's it's also telling they didn't make any additions to their lineup, which is their biggest weakness, and it's going to prevent them from making a deep run in the playoffs. I think this is waving the white flag. I think the Cardinals are going to end up winning this division. Brewers are going to miss the playoffs, in my opinion. Now. Yeah, with, with, I, I think it's, it's this this type of move is is just telling. But as far as as far as the Padres go. Um, we can, we haven't even gotten to the big one yeah, yet, I'm, but I'm this not, I'm not even going to get to that. Yet. But this I'm is just, still big. Th- this is this is big, and this is going to go under the radar, obviously, just because of what all the other stuff that has happened. But um, you had Taylor Rogers, who was that the back end of your bullpen, wasn't getting it done. Started off the season pretty good, but Josh Hader, we know what he brings to the table. Despite you know you mentioned it, his struggles over the past several weeks but the Padres needed bullpen help they got bullpen help in a very good way and they have him for like some of their other moves they have him for the next couple of playoff runs exactly the next big move after this is that the Yankees got Frankie Monas 
Montas from Oakland, and Lou Trevino, another bullpen piece. I'm, since I'm a Yankees fan, I keep really in touch. A lot of people were just asking for a left-handed outfielder, Ben Attende we got, uh, a starting pitcher, Frankie Montas, and two relievers. That was the bare minimum. If we just got that, we're happy with that, and we got it in this trade. We completed everything. I love Frankie Mondes. He's going to slot in as that number two starter for the playoffs. That's what we've been missing. I know he's coming back from injury, but still, when he's right, he is very, very good. He is just a step below Luis Castillo, and we paid a hell of a lot less than what the Mariners had to pay for Luis Castillo. Uh, Jet, what do you think about this trade for the Yankees? It's great for the Yankees. I, I'm a little questioning more from the athletic side of things, considering, you know, when, when you see the Luis Castillo move, you, t- you think it's the type of thing that's going to change the market and change, like, where you're going to be able to get for this type of pitcher. And I, I think the reason why the athletics maybe didn't get as much with for Frankie Montas is maybe because of the shoulder issues. I think maybe that was a reason that was preventing the Yankees from wanting to send more. Um, yeah, the Yankees sent, you know, some decent prospects, but these are, these are no, none of the top prospects in their system. And these are guys that, you know, in all, in all actuality could end up amount to nothing, especially where they are in regards to their system. But, you know, the, the athletics felt like it was a good enough haul. I, I think it's not a good enough haul considering you're also parted with a bullpen piece, Yeah, but you know, it, it's also the type of move that, you know, I hate to say it, but it could backfire for the Yankees if. He has shoulder issues. Yeah, exactly. Um, we also we've seen pitchers coming over from the A's that have yeah. playing Yankees. Not to say that this is a same situation, but the Yankee Stadium factor it it is something that has to be taken into consideration, especially what we saw with Joey Gallo, Sonny Gray, and there's been numerous other names. So it's a great move on the surface and for a bullpen for the uh, for the rotation for the Yankees that has has needed some help especially with the injuries question marks we saw Jamison Tyon not have a great yeah. start last night so can't hurt you can never have enough arms so no I and I, I and like on like you're betting that he can be a two and I, right. I think he can be a two in which then if you and if he's not a two you still have Severino who's coming back from injuries that's a whole mystery right there because he said he's good so he doesn't understand why he was put on the 60 day out IL um he'll come back and if he comes back really well he can slot in as your two and Frankie Montas can go as your three or flip flop so I mean that just though having Cole Montas and Severino I love that as a one two three with Montes or Severino flip-flopping for the third game. It doesn't matter. And then possibly if Tyone can get right, having him as a four, because when he's good, he can give you five to six solid innings. So I love this move, and I love it for the price that they paid. Absolutely. You can't you can't be mad about what they had to give up. No. The next move is that the Astros got a catcher from the Red Sox, Christian Vasquez. The Red Sox had a very weird... They also then, right after trade, finalized the deal for Tommy Pham. Um, we'll focus more on the um, the uh, sorry the um, the Red Sox side of it with uh, trading away Vasquez, but then trading for Tommy Pham. What does this mean? Like, are the Red Sox going for the playoffs or not? 
Um, <laughs> I, I think they, they are based off their moves. I think with, with them parting with um, Christian Vasquez, obviously, I don't know if you saw the interview with him. Yes, I did. It happened to be in Houston while they were playing the Red Sox. And I, I mean, it definitely wasn't, definitely didn't seem happy, but you know, you see them trade Vasquez. It's not like they have like great catching options after him. Kevin Kulecki. Mm. Um, they also, I think required, acquired Reese McGuire to be, yes. the, be their backup. But with the other moves they added, as far as adding to their lineup, you would think that, you know, why trade Christian Vasquez? But I, I think with, with the pressure that the Red Sox probably have from their fan base and wanted them to win, they weren't going to like sell. They, they, the problem is that they, they had plenty of options to sell. They could have got rid of JD Martinez, Nathan Evaldi, two names that would have gotten a decent return and, you know, kind of showed that they were trying to focus more next year. But the Christian Vasquez move is a, is a big question mark for me. I, I really don't get it. I don't get it either. I, I, I really don't. I mean, if you're, I think it's a question mark after the fact that they didn't sell more. Yeah. If they sold more, you're like, okay, you're just you're selling, you're giving up on the playoffs. But just because you just sold Christian Vasquez and then acquired Tommy Pham, also, is just a little odd. And I, if I was Boston fans, I I would be questioning like, what are we doing? Right. Like, I, if you're if you're gonna sell one expiring contract in Vasquez, why not sell the other ones too? And Evaldi. Martinez, I know Bogarts wasn't really an option. Yeah, but they should have even considered him, but they didn't. Exactly. So we'll we'll move on to the other another AL team. You you talked about it a little bit earlier in that the Orioles traded uh, Jorge Lopez to the Twins. Uh, they got just a bunch of prospects back. Uh, does this help the Twins win the division, or just hopefully get a wild card? You know, I I really you know like what the White Sox like as far as they're the makeup of their team, but it seems like every day they <laughs> they lose a game, they win a game, and they just struggling to make up real ground. I mean, they're only two games back of the division. I think you know this move was one move, and then also another move that they made as far as bolstering their rotation. I think these moves are going to be good enough to you know keep that lead in the division and. Obviously, we know what their lineup is capable of, but they they needed arms. They got arms, so I, I don't see any reason why they can't can't continue them themselves leading at the top of the division. Because the White Sox, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they made any notable moves. No, they they, they I have not. I I've skipped over a few moves that aren't really like noteworthy, and I mm-hmm. I just even haven't even seen the White Sox yeah. logo on ESPN um, with the, uh, the 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 sheet that I'm looking at. Right. Uh, the next move is Toronto and Miami closed in on a trade. We talked about this briefly here. Jet, do you want to go yeah. into it a little bit more since you know more about the players that were traded? Yeah. So uh, at first, uh, at first reaction, when you know I I, heard, I was talking about talking with you about the trade, I wasn't necessarily happy. Um, we, we've traded a lot of controllable bullpen arms over the past years, especially the one I really like, Zach Pop, coming into his second year. I, I thought he really had eventually a good chance to being a, a closer for this team. And obviously, you know, the, the main goal for the Marlins acquire try and acquire so as much hitting talent as possible. And in this type of trade, it's it's a buy low on who they got. Jordan Groshans, the, the number four prospect, 
for the Toronto Blue Jays, a former first-round pick. Kind of has fallen off a little bit, injuries, among other things, but I also believe that in Toronto, he was never going to get a chance to get called up anytime soon with Boba Shett, um right in front of him as far as on the big league club. So I think Jordan Grishans, we see him with the Marlins sometime soon. I think in the end, while we gave up two arms and Bass and Pop, Bass wasn't going to be with the team come next year. He's a free agent after this year. Zach Pop would have been, but this is the type of move that you have to make if you want to find some more offensive help. I think with the Marlins feeling that they have plenty of arms in the system that they not only can develop into potential bullpen pieces going forward. So this is just a, you know, indication dealing from a dealing from a position of strength for a weakness. We'll see what happens, but it can't hurt to make a type, this type of move. Now, I think this is like the last time we'll probably talk about the Marlins. I don't think they made any other major moves noteworthy. Um, how do you feel about them not trading Pablo Lopez? I, I not only thought they were going to, but, I thought they should have, but the thing is, I don't think they should have traded him no matter what the package was. I think if you were going to trade him, you're going to trade him for the best possible package. And I know the Yankees were you know, going for hard for him at the end there. Um, I'm assuming that the Yankees, we heard some rumors of Gleyber Torres being yeah. floated around in some packages. I, I wouldn't have been opposed to acquiring someone like him. I, I think with, <laughs> with the bats we have in our lineup right now, I think that's, that's an immediate upgrade, even if he's not, part of the future but i'm 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 glad we didn't trade just to trade him i think if if none of the offers were good enough i don't blame us for not dealing him there are going to be opportunities to trade him either next year um in the offseason this year or next year at the deadline if that offer is good enough but i love pablo lopez the problem with him i have is he, he has had issues staying healthy and the time to capitalize on him was probably now sort of something like a sell high, but obviously no one was going to take that bait. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the big move. Everyone wants to talk about is that the San Diego Padres have acquired superstar outfielder Juan Soto along with first baseman Josh Bell. Now there, this was a whole ordeal. This thing took like two hours to sort out of like who's going back because there was one guy that could have just pretty much altered could have completely ended this trade um but Mackenzie Gore Ro Robert Hansel CJ Abrams James Wood Jarlin Suzanne and Luke Voigt were heading back to Washington the big thing is that Eric Hosmer was originally packaged in that deal but he had a no trade clause and Washington was on that no-trade claw list. So then he was like, uh, hell no. I'm not getting yeah. traded and possibly getting like giving up the chance to win a World Series. So I'm going to say no. Um, but obviously, for Juan Soto, you're going to make it work out and stuff like that. So it was a little funny that um, Eric Hosmer kind of uh, made made the the uh, Padres sweat a little bit. And in return, they ended up giving having to give up Luke Voigt uh, Jet, we'll talk about the Padres first, as always. Is Are they now officially, like, are they ahead? I wouldn't, uh, you don't have to say they're ahead of the Dodgers. Are they ahead of the Mets right now as World Series contenders coming out of the NL? I think so. Um, the problem is, though, is, yeah, they may be ahead of the Mets right now, but as far as where they are, as far as standings go, 
the Mets are going to, at, at this point, they're going to have a better seed than the Padres. The Padres are most likely looking at a first round series in Atlanta to start, to start out like that, that is going to be tough. Cause I honestly, I, I think you can make a, a big, a good case that the Braves potentially have as good, if not a better team than really? the San Diego Padres. And, and they made some additions as well. It's interesting because the, the Padres, they're, they're going for it. And obviously they believe they have the team now that can win a world series, but it's not going to be tough, especially if they go through Atlanta and then the Dodgers and then potentially the Mets. It is not going to be a tough road. I don't think that they should be anointed favorites. They definitely should be anointed favorites over the Dodgers. I think you can make the argument over the Mets. You can make the argument over the Braves. But unless they can make some good ground on the Braves, they're not going to win the division. They're they're, they're, they're 12 games out, I believe, or 11 yeah. and a half. They're, they're not going to do it. But if they don't get it done this year, though... <laughs> I think they should easily be a favorite for next year. Yeah, they have Juan Soto for three playoff runs, yeah. and they're—I don't think I really don't think they will. Go, they're gonna pay Juan Soto because then they're going to be investing roughly a billion dollars yeah. into three players in Tatis, Machado, and Soto. This is where this is a win now move, and obviously you can tell that from the amount of prospects that they have traded. They um. And, and on top of getting Josh Bell, too, who is, uh, I think, an upgrade. He's a uh, switch hitter. And, I mean, he, he's a good first baseman, too, defensively, I believe. Uh, this, I, I, think they're, I think they have the second best roster now in the NL. I mean, once ta especially when Tatis comes back. I mean, we have to remember that. I mean, they're right now, I, they have the second wild card. Um, and they don't even have Tatis back. Tatis back yet, who should be coming back relatively soon. So having Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and Machado as a one, two, three, or however you want it, that is a that is arguably one of the toughest one, two, three like uh, sequence of hitters to go through. I don't care if you're Jacob Degrom. That is a tough, mentally exhausting, especially with Soto at bat, and then you have Josh Bell probably behind him too. So I mean that's a this lineup is sc officially scary. This is a scary lineup now, and I'm um, now we can turn to the Washington side. Do you think they got enough for Soto and Bell? I do. I, initially, when we looked at it, um, they, I don't think they did. But after they added Mackenzie Gore in the deal, they have three guys that already have or two guys already experienced. Um, at the major league level, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Luke Ford as well, not a prospect, yeah. but he's been been in the league quite some time. But it's a it's a good package. You're hoping, as far as the prospects go, you want at least one to pan out, if, if not two, because it, it's going to be very hard for all of them to pan out. It's very hard in these types of deals to – very, very rare for a team that doesn't um, that is trading the superstar to win unless they all pan out, which is very unlikely. I think with them getting the major league talent that they do, it's a little more of a guarantee considering the production they've already had, but to no guarantee that production is sustainable. You know what you're getting out of Juan Soto pending that he'll stay healthy. It's a good, you know, I, I saw tweets about this, like the, the Nationals, they had Juan Soto, they had Max Scherzer, they had Trey Turner. They had Bryce Harper. They had, they had Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. They had Anthony Rendon. Right. And 
they got really enough. Like at, at this point, not as much as they should have for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. It could end up being the same story for Juan Soto, but you know we know the Nationals are in a rebuild. They somehow beat the Mets last night without any of their, you know, play good players left. So rebuild for the Yankees, and how much more else to say? Uh, I said the Yankees. I meant the <laughs> the Nationals. But also, you forgot about the Padres. They also added um, Brandon Drury as well. Yes, that's makes yeah. This this lineup even better. He's um, having a career year. Yeah, it, it's going to – I think the Padres-Braves, if that how it ends up, is the first series. That's going to be a, a hell of a series. I, I would love that. And Juan Soto knows the Braves. He was playing in their yeah, division. So absolutely. He, he knows the Braves very well, and so does Josh Bell. But moving on now, I think arguably this could be the biggest thing, is that the Dodgers are taking a chance on Joey Gallo from the New York Yankees. The Yankees – I am so surprised they got the Dodgers number 15 prospect um, who I think is going to like translate to like a top 10 prospect for us in the Yankee system. Um, I'm very surprised they were able to get like a, a top 20 prospect for Joey Gallo. Um, I mean, the Dodgers, they can ha- make players hit like yeah. they just have a formula that no one else knows. I mean, what a... I'm scared now. Like, if it's a Yankees-Dodgers, like, World Series, Joey Gallo's just going to hit, Oof. like, a three-run bomb off of us, and we're going to be like, of course. Of on, course you know, he's going to do that. You know it's that. bound to happen. It's, of, it's, so, it's so bound to happen. Of course that's going to happen. It's going to be a pinch hit, Homer, too. I, I think that the rest of the season that Joey Gallo is going to have is going to be more of a resemblance of his days in Texas, I think. Unfortunately, it's just not everyone can handle Yankee Stadium. And I know Dodger Stadium is not going to be any easier, but I think the change of scenery is going to help him out. It's not, I don't think he's going to be playing every day, especially not against lefties, but he'll, he'll get his at-bats. And, it, you know, it's a nice buy-low ad for the Dodgers considering yeah. the, the history that Joey Gallo has. Exactly. Uh, the Red Sox, they get Eric Hosmer, um, <laughs> and which – I again, Eric Hosmer's do a lot of money. San, San Diego is going to pay um, a significant portion of the forty-four million that are remaining on Hosmer's contract. But still, I don't understand it by the Red Sox. I don't get it. Like this is a, uh, this is a guy that is owed a lot of money that's going to be on your books no matter how much San Diego pays for. I don't get it. Yeah, like this is the perfect add to a team that's going to be in contention and just needed an additional bat, especially from the left side. I mean, the Red Sox obviously needed a first baseman, but this is not a Red Sox team that has a chance this year. This is just a very interesting move, even though they don't have to pay Eric Hosmer that much. um, You're you're acquiring a guy that is going to prevent some of your younger players like a Bobby Dahlback from getting more bats. So uh, it doesn't make any sense for me at all. Uh, again, it really, really doesn't. Uh, let's go to the Phillies now. They acquired um, David Robertson from the Cubs. He was with the Phillies uh, earlier in his career before moving on to the Cubs. And Brandon Marsh, how much does this increase the Phillies for a playoff contention? I, I like the Brandon Marsh move as far as defensively because we, we, we know that the the way the Phillies constructed their team, their defense was not 
not even a priority. Um, they had Odubel Herrera in center field, which I believe was like in the negatives as far as defensive run saved. And now you had Brandon Marsh, who was in the positive. So that's a going to be a big increase there. So good, good to have someone that can focus a little bit more on the defensive side of things. As far as Noah Syndergaard goes, the Phillies they need they need they needed more pitching. They mm-hmm. got more pitching. I, I can't imagine how you know reliable Noah Syndergaard is going to be. He'll be good. He'll be good enough, I think. He'll eat um, innings. Yeah, he'll, he'll eat innings. I think you know having Ranger Suarez originally as your third, not necessarily a good thing. Noah Syndergaard, like you said, can get you the innings that you need, especially you know. I don't think the Phillies are going to be able to make that big ever run in the playoffs, even with the lineup that they have, even with the top two arms and Wheeler and Nola. But it's just the type of move that, you know, you're, you're tankering a little bit to see if you can kind of you know, make make a push towards them. And, and what do you think about first. David Robertson going to the Phillies also? Yeah, again, like this is a Phillies bullpen that has struggled for years and any bullpen help is going to be beneficial. It's just another way to to increase your chances, especially in the, in the in the postseason when you need pitching. Dave Robertson's having a great year and it's going to it should be a great fit. Uh the next really move is odd move for Yankees fans. We can't understand it at all why they did this is that the Yankees send Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for outfielder Harrison Bader. Bader's in a boot for like a few more weeks because he has plantar fasciitis. They the Yankees talked about want like make like making sure that there was pitching enough to to slow down on the innings that Nestor Cortez and Sevy were pitching. And you're trading you traded away a guy. Jordan and Jordan Montgomery that can eat innings. Like he is reliable. He can eat innings. And you got, and I'm not, I don't think he would have made the postseason roster, but that's not the thing. That it doesn't matter. We want to make sure that the pitchers, the starting pitchers like Nestor Cortez and Severino that were going to be in the postseason rosters didn't have dead arms. And Jordan Montgomery would have been a solution to that. I don't understand it at all for a backup platoon outfielder. And I know Harrison Bader is can is been arguably has been said to be the best defensive center fielder in MLB. He's won a Gold Glove. He is a defensive replacement that you sh- traded a starting pitcher for. And I think there's a little bit of a uh, weird business in which I think maybe the Yankees thought that they were going to get Pablo Lopez, (laughs) but that's negligence. If you're if you trade away a starting pitcher before getting a Pablo Lopez. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because I was wondering if you, if you thought that was potentially true, because it's, it's definitely something to think about that they, you know, you're, you're dealing an arm that you could potentially utilize down, down the stretch run for all the reasons you mentioned to get a guy that I, I think is going to help, hopefully that he comes back and is, and is yeah, healthy. Because it's that's the thing you said, hope, right? Hopefully, well, yeah. That, but if he does, but if he does come back and 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 is healthy, do you move Aaron Judge back yeah. to right field? Well, I mean, he's already starting to play right field more because okay, Aaron okay. Hicks can take over a center fielder because now we have an actual left fielder that can play. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's right. But that's the weird thing. What happens with Aaron Hicks now? Yeah. What happens with them? I don't want like Matt Carpenter and Giancarlo, or this is maybe they're really scared of playing Giancarlo in the field after his uh, Achilles tendonitis. Yeah. 
maybe they are like Giancarlo's back to being exclusively a DH. Right. And Mac but we have Matt Carpenter who can play a a decent enough out right field to where like you're not taking his 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 the his bat out of the lineup. I just don't un, like Well, I don't understand I why think, an outfielder. I think what it's what end up, what's going to end up happening is is Bader is not going, he's obviously not going to be used for offense. So he's going to come in 7th 8th inning. Yeah. Play in the game defensive replacement and I, and I think that's what his job's going to be. I yeah, I I mean if it's like a and I mean this is a playoff move. This yeah, is oh yeah. I that that's all it is and I think maybe they're going to start off with Benatende Benatendi, uh, Judge, and Carpenter. I guess that's what they're predicting. And then Judge is going to be DHing, and and then seven, eight, nine, they're pulling Carpenter if they have the lead. That's the thing. It's a big if they have the lead, then they're going to pull Carpenter and put Bader in for like a re- like a very good uh, defensive yeah. outfield unit. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is, you know, obviously the Cardinals may not have done this, but. The- the Yankees maybe you know should have considered trading a, a lower low end prospect yes. as far as for Bader, but exactly. may not have wanted to do that. I yeah, I but he's injured. He's yeah. injured right now. Um, so we'll move on, finish up here. Whit Merrifield goes to the Blue Jays. What does this mean for the Blue Jays? Well, I know <laughs> I know a lot of the discussion is about whether he'll get vaccinated or not because he won't be able to play in Toronto in, unless that happens. I would assume he's going to. In the end, if, yeah. if they if they need him and he wants to play, that's gonna have to be what happens. But you know, it, they the Blue Jays were a team that I believed was were were targeting a left-handed bat. Obviously, with with Merrifield is not a lefty. He is he's you know he's, he's had a down year. He hasn't been as good as he has in years past. We know he's very dependable. I think up to this season. He had made a, a start in an X amount of consecutive games, and and he's having having his worst year statistically, 240 batting average. His career is 286. But interesting that you know you had a guy who had an All Star caliber season so far this year in Santiago Espinal at second base. That kind of moves him off of that position, and you get Whit Merrifield for not only this year but next year, and then we'll see what happens beyond that. But it's another bat to have. I think the Blue Jays should have, you know, had other had more important needs, but it's it, it can't hurt to add someone like this who adds speed and adds adds some nice versatility at the top of the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. To end off the trade deadline, the buzzard beater is that the Tampa Bay Rays are sending Brett Phillips to the Orioles forecast considerations. I love Brett Phillips. I know Tampa Tampa Bay fans are very upset with him parting ways after the David Peralta move. Uh, I think the Orioles are going to love Brett Phillips. They pretty much get a two-way player and a pitcher and a hitter right there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. that was a fun little last-second move. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad Brett Phillips uh, is going to still be on a major league roster. Absolutely. I mean, he'll it'll, it'll add some energy to that Orioles clubhouse that, you know, needs it, especially with some of the moves they've made. Um, maybe he can, maybe he'll be the reason they get into the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll move on here. Oh, that's, that's everything. I mean, uh, one last question. Who do you think was the, who, other than the Padres, who do you think was the winner of the trade deadline? Um, 
I mean, I don't want to like you know boost your ego, but I think it was the Yankees. I, I think, think they, 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 yeah, they, yeah, they they made the they made all the right moves. They like you mentioned before, they solved all the needs that the fan base wanted, as the organization wanted. You got bullpen help. You got another starter. You got a defensive replacement potentially, as far as the lineup goes. So, you know, you can argue maybe you know the Mariners won, but Castillo they had to give up a lot. I think as far as getting value and getting positional needs, the Yankees. Uh, had a perfect combination there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm very, I'm very happy. I mean, I wish if the Jordan Montgomery move wasn't made, I would have been ecstatic with the with the off season. But I mean, it it is what it is. But now we'll move on to Bill Russell. He sadly passed away also earlier. Last week, um, he he passed away peacefully at the age of 88 years old. Um, I just wanted to say, first off, all of the accomplishments that yeah. he has had. And it's a long list, so uh, Jet, uh, just stay awake for this because it's a long <laughs> list. 11-time NBA championship, most all-time. Two NBA titles as a player slash head coach. In 1968 and 1969, first black head coach in NBA history. NBA Finals trophy named after him in the beginning of 2009. Two NCAA NCAA championships with the University of San Francisco. Two-time first team All-American at USF. 1956 Summer Olympic gold medal winner 2011 presidential medal medal of freedom recipient five nba mvp awards second most all time 2019 nba lifetime achievement award 11 all nba selections 12 nba all-star selections 1963 nba all-star mvp Twenty one thousand. 620 career rebounds, second most all-time, 21-0 record in winner-take-all games, which include the NCAA tournament, Olympic medal round, and deciding game and a deciding game NBA 5 or 7, 10-0 record in NBA game 7s, only player to be named to NBA's official 25th, 35th, 50th, and 75th anniversary team, Member of the Namath Memorial College and FIBA Hall of Fames. Yeah, that <laughs> all, it's it's remarkable. Like everything he was was able to accomplish, not even on the basketball court, but just just in life in general. Um, obviously, up until his final days, he was just a, he was always he was always around you know the big games. He was always a part of obviously the NBA Finals that the um, with a trophy being named after him. So he he lived a a great life, a big part of basketball history, sports history too. One of the more iconic figures in in American sports. Obviously, what he did with the Boston Celtics, kind of putting them on the map very early on in their franchise's history. And just, you know, we know what he did. As far as being a winner, he's a winner. And, and yeah, he him, is him, having, winner. him having more rings than fingers, I mean, that's just, that's remarkable. I mean, if you want to count all championships, 
Um, I mean, 11 NBA championships, two NCAA championships. So he's at 13, and then an Olympic champion too. You got the you got his high school stuff because I'm sure. Oh, sure I, oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, in like so he has around 14 championships from collegiate level to Olympic level. I mean, that's insane. Two I'm, high school championships. All right, so he has 16. <laughs> 16 championships. He was just born a champion, man. And I mean, some people are lucky enough to have that. I mean, that's impressive. I didn't I didn't know that. He was 10 and 0 in NBA game sevens. God. I don't care about the time you play in, like what time yeah. period you play in. 10 and 0 in game sevens are the very thing, impressive. Like, there's always been a, a lot said about him getting all those rings in an era where you know, there weren't as many talented players playing, but when you're able to win one, two, you, like more than that, it, it's very hard to continue to win. Like it, it's, it's often not sustainable. I know that would be very hard to do in, in this day and age, but I think in any day and age, it would be something that is very hard to accomplish. And obviously Bill Russell, you know, it's still a team sport, but he was the main part, one of the main parts of all the rings that he accomplished. And, and obviously being that the rings follow him from high school all the way to the NBA, <laughs> It's clear that he knows he how to win for a very good reason. Yeah, he knows how to win after seeing like he won at the high school, collegiate, NBA, professional, and then Olympic level. No, it's interesting. So I'm reading now. He didn't have he had one scholarship offer coming out of high school. Obviously, Jeez. that was for the University of San Francisco, and then ended up having a, a fantastic freshman season, one of the best in, in the front in the university's history. Then all of a sudden, we know the rest is history. Went on to the NBA and the career that he had was no story. Absolutely. But that is the end of the episode. We hope you guys enjoyed. We talked a little bit about Vince Scully's historic career. Talked about a arguably historic MLB trade deadline and the historic career of bill russell we hoped you guys enjoyed episode 62 we'll see you guys next week for a mock draft because it is fantasy football season i mean we're we're oh, less yeah. than a, we're less than a month away from the uh then and then also the draft order will be announced on monday i believe for the It's Game Time Podcast Fantasy Football League. And it's, um, it, I mean, I, I like my position. Jet, you like yours? I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll make do of it. I know, you know, where, we'll, we'll get to it because it, it'll be interesting. So where, where we both are is pretty interesting. It is. It's, it's an interesting place to be because now it's 12 teams instead of 10 last year. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Peace out.